Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, so Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. When we finished last week, we were talking about uh, Daniel. Daniel's in uh, his late 80s at, at this point, and, uh, and Darius is the governor. And remember, he was feeling sick. So the last time that we left Daniel, he had the dream, and he saw what was going to happen to Jerusalem. Um, and, and he felt sick. Uh, but one of the things we talked about is that he still served the king. Uh, tonight, what we're going to be talking about is, is Daniel's in the Word of God, and his heart is going to be moved to prayer. And it's something that I, I, I pray for us as well, as it would be the same thing, uh, that we would have that same reaction, that as we are in God's Word, that we would look for things that we can pray for not only for the church, but also in our individual lives, as well as others that are in the church. Um, you know, there are two babies that are coming, so we need to be praying for moms and the baby's health. Um, a boy and a girl, and I'll let you figure out, out who's who when y'all see them on Sunday. Uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, at the same time, it, it we we just we need to be a church that prays. It's probably one of the most neglected things uh, in the church. There there are two things that that the American church needs to get focused back on: the Word of God and prayer. The Word of God and prayer, and and that's for us as believers. So it says uh, in verse one, in the first year of Darius the son of, and I will mess that up for sure, Ahasuerus by a, de, a descent at Mede who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of, of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived the book of, of the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet uh, must pass before the end of desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. And so he is in the book of Jeremiah, and, and he's reading about the 70 years, and he's moved to prayer. One of the things I love about the book of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 11 and 12 it says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord declare, declares the Lord uh, plans for wealth welfare and not for uh, evil to give you a future and hope then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you It's a re- reminder to us that that God's plans for us is is not for evil it's to give us hope and, and that we are to pray uh, to him. And uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from uh, heaven and will forgive their sin and heal, heal their land. Now, one of the things I love about that verse is there's no religious aspect that God is asking you to do. 
God didn't ask them to go and sacrifice something at the altar, right? All he said is humble yourself. Humble yourself. Be in agreement with God that you've sinned. That, that's the first stage of, of repentance is humility. You realize that I can't do this anymore. I'm sinning against the Lord and I need to seek forgiveness and ask, and ask the Lord to help me with it. We take, we take responsibility for our sin through humility. And, and it's, it's the fact that we, we haven't obeyed God. We're not glorifying Him. And so it's, He says, humble yourself. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You turn from your sin. You repent from it. And then what does he say? He says to pray. To pray. Pray and seek my face. You know, we have to be willing to intercede and pray for the people of our nation. We have to be willing to pray and intercede for the people that are in our administration and, and in our government. Um... We need to be praying because even though the situation seems unfair and at times we need to be going to the Lord in petition and prayer. And the third thing we must do is we must seek His face. We have to want to obey God. Lord, what can I do? Where do I fit in Your plan? Where can I have the most impact in Your kingdom? And God gives us direction and we follow through with that. It's merely not just, just listening to God's Word, but being hearers and doers of God's Word. And this time, the most, the most needed thing in the church in America is the Word of God and prayer. And what are the two things that Daniel in chapter 9 is looking at? Is he's looking at very simply, I was reading the Word of God, and I've been moved to pray. And that should be us as well. But see, sometimes what we do, and I've heard it said by people that they'll say, well, why do I need to pray when God already knows what I need, I'm going to be asking for? Because they, they'll quote Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Or in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep, for, too deep for words. So they'll say, well, the Spirit already knows what I need to pray, so the Spirit will take care of it. God already knows what I'm going to ask for before I ask for it, so why am I going to pray? See, prayer is not getting my will done in heaven. Prayer is getting God's will done here on earth. That's what we're forgetting. That's what we need to understand. Prayer is part of our relationship with God. God has chosen to work through the vehicle of prayer. And if we don't pray, we limit what He will do or what He could do and desires to do in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, we know that God is almighty, He's boundless, He's limitless, He's everlasting. It's His power. And yet He wants to hear from you. The God of heaven wants to hear from you. It's fundamental. It's a fundamental part of our faith that makes our relationship with God stronger. It's a demonstration of our faith. So when we humble ourselves, 
and come to prayer, we're saying that I'm insufficient in my strength to make this happen. I can't do it. You're humbling yourself before God. And that's why it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. See, prayer is the first thing that we need to do. And I can tell you I'm guilty of this because this past weekend we came in and we were busy. We started setting everything up and started going at it. And we did the same thing on, uh, on Easter. We were just so busy that we didn't pray. And as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, I got too many things on my head to try to remember every little thing. I forget stuff. And I felt guilty when my wife told me we didn't pray. It should be the first thing we do. And in my flesh, I was like, I don't know what else you want me to do. I, what else am I supposed to? I'm, I'm trying. Trying to remember everything. But Lord, help me. So God put it on my heart. And he's like, Mike, what you need to do as soon as you open those doors on Sunday, stop, drop everything you're doing and pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to move in the building. And that the word would not only, you know, touch the lives of those people that are here, but also the kids that are in the room and, and that worship would be prayed over. It's, it's very easy for us to get busy doing, but are we going to pray first? A lot of times what we'll do is we'll run out and start getting busy doing work. And we hit the wall and then we go, oh, wait a minute, we need to pray. We're guilty of it. Prayer should be the first thing that, that should be the reaction of a Christian. Let's pray. That's why he says in, in verse 2, he says, The first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived the book of the numbers of the years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. In Jeremiah 25, 11, it says, The whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve uh, the king of Babylon for 70 years. That's the verse that he's reading. And then God's going to restore his people. Daniel's going to cry out to the Lord. And, and one of the verses I thought of was Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is a man who had a very strong prayer life. Remember, when they were trying to catch Daniel doing something that was wrong, what did they do? They couldn't find anything that that man did wrong because he was a godly man. And so what did they know? They knew that they could catch him doing something that was against the king, which was to pray. And they knew Daniel would pray three times a day. And that was the type of man that he was. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. This man's in his late 80s, and he's still a man of God since his teens. 
And so we remember the, the 70 years that's owed. That's because of the 490 years where they did not let the land rest. God judged them. God's mercies are new every day, but at some point, if you're doing something that's not right, God will judge you. I love what it says in verse 3. It says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God. That is not a casual prayer request. He's fixing his face. He's seeking. He's begging. He's, he's looking to God to answer this prayer. In James chapter 5, verse 16, says, The prayer of the righteous person has great power, as it is working. The power of prayer. That's what moves the church. It's prayer. You can do more by prayer than you can do by works. And we neglect it. And he says, I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him. Seeking Him. He reads the Word of God and he goes, I need to pray I need to seek God by prayer and please for mercy. He pleads for mercy. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, it says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's pleading for God's mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And what is fasting? That's another thing that the church doesn't do anymore. Do we fast? What is fasting? That means that you're, you're denying something out of your daily function. That's the easiest way to put it. Uh, an easy fast. Phones. Right? You can fast on these things. Why don't you say, you know what, I work. I can't fast during the daytime, but from 5 p.m. till 5 a.m., I'm not touching the phone. You do that for seven days. That's fasting. You give up TV. You're, what you're doing is you're actually you're, you're preparing your heart for what God is going to do through prayer. You're telling the Lord, look, I'm very serious about this. I'm fasting and I'm praying. The one thing that I love with, with Daniel is he, he says he's fasting in sackcloth and ashes. So that would have been a, a burlap sack. And he would have either rolled in ashes or he would have taken ashes and dumped it on his head. It's, it's the weight of sin is what that represents. That burlap sack is nothing but itchy. <laughs> Just scratching you. Letting you know it's there. That's the thing with us is like when, when we have the weight of sin, we need to deal with it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. See, if your sorrow over your sin doesn't lead you to repentance, it has no value at all. It's just worldly. You just, you just feel bad because you got caught. See, Satan's goal is to discourage you, to frustrate you, to make you angry, to, to get you depressed and suicidal. And he wants you to be in your feelings. To undermine your relationship with God. Because see, godly sorrow leads to a change in the way you live and the way that you see things. It makes you stronger. 
It helps you to accept God's truth and His unconditional forgiveness. We have to make a choice if, if we're going to walk away from that sin. We, we, need to, we need to understand there has to be a change in the way that we live. That means you may need to get help. You may need to get counseling, out of counsel from somebody. But don't sit in it. Remember, praying with humility. If you look at the example in Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 12. It says, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He points the guy out. I fast twice a week. When you fast, that's between you and God. You have to remember that. That's not something you go on, on social networks and go, I'm fasting. Right? But it says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector was, felt the weight of his sin. He knew what he was doing wasn't right. And he was seeking godly sorrow, repentance. The Pharisees was just wanting to be heard. And so when we, we look at what Daniel's doing, he is praying in, in sackcloth and, and, and the weight of the sin is there. But I love what he says here in verse 4. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God. Man, if you have a highlighter, if you want to, you got a pen or something, you need to highlight that. I prayed to the Lord, my God. That is a personal relationship with his God, the same that we should have. And it, and it says, I, and I made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast with those who love him and keep his commandments. It sounds just like Nehemiah, another godly man. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Somebody's reading the word of God. They're praying God's word. Both Daniel and Nehemiah, both godly men, Give adoration right off the bat to start their prayer. And that's how we're supposed to start ours. Oh, great and awesome. You don't know how to, you don't know how to do adoration? Read it straight from the Word of God. Oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Lord, hear me. And start praying. Remember, we know that Daniel was a man of prayer. He's praying God's word. And that's what the men of God do, is they pray the word of God and have adoration towards their God. This is such an important piece of, of Scripture here. It's so important because he's not only 
just saying that, he's quoting that from Exodus 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 5.10. Showing steadfast love to the thousands, those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 5 says, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Same thing Nehemiah does in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6. I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servant, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. They both prayed with the word we. We have sinned. So, we are part of this nation's sin. We are. We live here. Right? And a lot of people go, well, I didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're making intercessory prayer and purifying daily the community, the state, and the nation. That's what we should be doing every day because when you do that, you're standing in the gap for those people who are breaking God's law and do not care. You know they are. So we as a nation of God stand and we pray and confess our sins. We're, we're to be intercessory prayer vessels. Right? It tells us, and if you go, well, I haven't sinned, that's a lie. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, it says, Or if I send a pestilence into the land and pure, uh, pour out my wrath upon it with blood to cut off from, uh, from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their, uh, by their righteousness. So he's saying Noah, Daniel, and Job couldn't save anybody. Because of their righteousness. And neither can you. We don't save people because of our righteousness. It's, it's an evident fact that we are sinners as well. And we needed a savior. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we uh, say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So do we confess the sins of the nation? Yes, we do. We're a part of it. We live here. We need, to, we need to be praying. Lord, forgive us for the abortions. You know, we can go down a list of stuff that this nation needs to be prayed over. In verse 6, it says, We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. And Jeremiah had told them. In Jeremiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 6, it says it will be it may be they, they will listen and everyone turn from this, his evil way that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord. 
If you will not listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you and to listen to the words of my, ser- my servants, the prophets whom I, have, I, I send to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make uh, this house like Shiloh and I will make this city cursed for all nations of the, of the earth. And as you read Jeremiah 26, you find out that they, Jeremiah preached exactly what God had told him to preach and they did not listen. They followed the false prophets. The false prophets told them everything they wanted to hear. But Jeremiah preached the word of God. And as pastors, that's what we're supposed to do. We have the word of God. That's what we do is we teach the word of God. We have to be careful not to follow the false prophets that are out there today. Because they fell deeper into sin. That's what happens. It's, it's, it's such an important thing to remember that God has given us His Word. And that's what we're supposed to live our lives by. And yet we see example after example throughout the Bible where people just disregarded it. And here's Daniel who's lived a godly life and says, no, I'm going to pray. I'm praying for these people. It's the, the example that Joshua gave early on in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's where people, people want the prosperous life. They want the good success but they're not willing to meditate on God's Word and to do what it says to do. They want the prosperity, but they don't want the Word. Judges 2.10 says, And and all that generation, this is after Joshua died, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that that he had done uh, for Israel. They didn't know. They had a whole generation pass and they didn't even know what, what God did. They didn't tell them. They didn't teach them. In Acts chapter 6 verse 4 it says, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That was the, the, the early church. They devoted themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's our key. Is, is we're supposed to actually devote ourselves to God's word. In prayer. And yet we don't. We devote ourselves to a lot of different things, right? How many things are you devoting yourself to that are not not worth God's time? Verse 7, we see the recognition now. He's going to talk about uh, the actual sin here. He says, To you, O Lord, uh, belongs righteousness. And it's a parallel that you get. He He gives... 
talks about the Lord belongs righteousness, but it says, but to us, open shame. As it, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all, all Israel, those who, uh, who are near and those who are far in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they had committed against you. He's like, God, you are righteous, but what we did was shameful. We sinned. And it says in verse 8, To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To you, O Lord, God, belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against them and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which he had set before us by his servants and prophets, by his servants the prophets. He's like, mercy and forgiveness belongs to you, Lord God. And yet we're disobedient to, to not only your word, but disobedient to the prophets that you sent. We didn't listen. Not only did you give us a guide for our life in God's word, right? A, a lamp to our feet. But you sent people. And not only did those kings not only do what? They killed the prophets. They didn't listen to the prophets. But you, Lord, belongs mercy and forgiveness. He knows his God intimately. He knows his God's characteristics. Daniel. In Psalm 130, verse 4, it says, But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. And Nehemiah 9, verse 17, says, They refuse to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return their slavery in Egypt. But you, are God, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. This is why a lot of y'all think you're getting away with your sin. Because he's slow to anger. He's wanting you to turn from it and repent. He's granting you mercy when mercy's not deserved in the moment. Numbers 14, verse 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and the forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because you are hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteousness and judgment will be revealed. People think, I'm going to just give my life to God right before I die. They may not have that option. Because their heart is hard and impotent. 
They're storing up wrath for that day of judgment. Today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's a reminder to us, too. It's like we, we see that God is a God of forgiveness, a God of mercy, a God of kindness, of steadfast love. And as Christians, are we that? Are we doing that? It's like that was the thing that hit me today. It's like, do we need to forgive somebody? At the end of the day, it's like Ephesians verse, uh, 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you need to deal with that. It doesn't mean that you have to spend time with that person, that you have to mend the relationship. But you need to forgive them or forgive her. It's it's because it'll take a hold of your heart. God is a God of forgiveness. He forgave our sins. Verse 11 says, All of Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against them. He has confirmed his words, which he has spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing up upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. So he's like, hey, this, this thing was poured out. It was written in the law of Moses. He confirmed the, his words, right? He has confirmed his words. It was there in God's word, but you missed it. You decided, I'm just not going to pay attention to it. And that's what happens when we get away from God's word. You, it's, it's like we talked about this weekend. You're, you're the little child, the infant, Jesus. You're dependent on Jesus for everything as an infant. When you eat, when you sleep, everything, your every need. And yet what happens is people, as they mature and they start growing in God, they start getting lazy with God's word. Or you have the people that gave their life to Christ. Are, are people that, that, my God, there are people today that believe they think they know God. They believe in a God that they've created in their, their own head. A false God. One that says what, because when, when your God is here, you dictate what your sin is. And let me tell you something. It ain't going to be based on God's word. You're going to let yourself go because it's, it's that same scenario. How close can I get to the line before going over it? And before you know it, you're, the line is here and you done passed it. 
because you were your own God. If we're his little children, we need to understand like he's, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his anger, slow. But don't think that he won't judge you because he will. And that's for us as a nation, too. Nahum, uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 6 says, Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces. And Second Chronicles, chapter 34, verse 25 says, Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be, be quenched. Now, let me tell you something. The United States is in a place where God's wrath is going to be poured out if we don't start getting on our knees and start confessing our sins and praying for this nation as a church. For the American church needs to start getting to a place where they are praying consistently for God to, to move. I mean, we, we know that, that we see repeated disobedience. We're seeing things that are evil being called good. And we know they're evil. We talked about it last week, that California AB 2223 bill. They changed the term to parental. Up to 28 days after the baby's born, you can kill it. Now, if you go to Google, this will probably knock this offline. They're going to give you nothing but fact check. Oh, that's not true. And it's misinformation. You can't find a, a, a legitimate article written on the, on the AB 2223. And that lady... Lord have mercy. What was her name? Buffy, Buffy Hicks. May God show up in her life in a way that she, she would never expect and be real. That's what you need to be praying for because that lady is lost. Lost. Being used for the devil. Proverbs chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 says open your mouth for the mute for the rights of all who are destitute open your mouth judge righteously defend the rights of the poor and the needy those babies can't speak you can if we don't think that God's going to not judge this nation let me tell you something what happens in, in California they usually like to push that across the United States They're coming after your kids. Disney. They're okay with transitioning. They're pushing that. I talked to you all about that last week. Again, that's a, you're going to talk to a five, a six, a seven-year-old about sex, about, about transitioning. That's evil. It's evil. 
And, and what they use is they try to say, well, you're not allowing that person to be who they've been called to be. The, the, the founder, uh, uh, one of the ladies from, uh, from Disney, she's one of the ancestors of Disney. It says, I had a very openly gay role models. They said, and I certainly didn't have any trans or non-binary role models. I didn't see myself reflected in anyone. And that made me feel like there was something wrong with me. And so they're pushing this. Onto our kids now. And, and at the end of the day, it's like we, we know what the Word of God says. God created a male and female. Again, you forsake me, have made offerings to other gods, that they may provoke my anger with all works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. Hollywood. Teresa showed me an article yesterday about Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox drinking each other's blood. In a, in a, in a ritual, realistic, uh, real, uh, ritualistic practice is what it was called. She called herself having a manifestation. That's the devil. That's Illuminati. This stuff is happening in our nation. This stuff is being pandered to the kids. To our teenagers, our youth. And, and we have to start standing up. Because again, it says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Like you have to open your mouth. Worshiping false gods and pushing it on our kids. And there'll come a time where it's going to be too late to turn. In Revelation 16, verses 9 and 10, it says they were, they were scorched by the fierce heat and they were cursed. They cursed the name of God who had power over the plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth, fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into the darkness. And people gnawed their tongues in anguish. There will come a time where there will be no influence of the Holy Spirit and the hard hearts and they'll still, with their last breath, curse God. It's, it's sad, but that's where we're at in our country. Now do you understand why we need to pray for our nation? We need to confess our sins as a nation. We need to pray for... I, I, I'm telling you what. The one thing I love about Daniel, Daniel prayed and an angel appears. Why can't that happen now? Why can't we pray as a church and an angel appear in Washington, D.C. and shake people up It's in the Word of God. Why can't it happen again? Because we don't want to get on our knees and pray.
Verse 13, it says, that is, As it is written in the laws of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. We see him remembering what happened. And I love that he says, as it is written. It was in God's word. There was a consequence for us not listening. You stop giving attention to God's truth and you turn to sin and iniquity. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. Again, little children, Jesus, spiritual milk, the Word of God. That's what you eat. That's what sustains you. And it, it, I love it. He says, put away the malice, put away the deceit. Put away the hypocrisy, the envy, and the slander like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. God's word, long for it. Don't, don't, don't go, I don't have time for it. Verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. We haven't obeyed him. He's, he's confessing the sin. He's talking about God's, God's righteousness and all the works that He's done. We failed Him. And now, O Lord, our God, you, uh, our God who brought Your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for Yourself as it is this day, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. We see the contrast of God's great, uh, great, uh, greatness and the people's sin. And then finally, in verses 16 through 19, we see the request. Verse 16, it says, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins. And for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people now uh, your people have become a, a, a byword among all who are around us. Daniel dealt with the confession in the first part, and now he's asking for the supplication. And that's why it's like when we, when we pray, it's that simple acronym. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. But he's being, he's being earnest in his plea. He's like the God for mercy on Israel. Again, mercy. Now therefore, O Lord, now, now therefore, our, now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, our Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons. Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lifted up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace so that uh, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Make your face shine upon your sanctuary. And he asks, and, and, and that's in Numbers 25, it says, The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's like when we pray, it's, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Remember we talked about the kingdom, God's kingdom. It's his will. Not yours. So when we pray, we're wanting His will to be done here on earth. To bless. Uh, to, to help. That's why we, when we cry out, God hears. And that's why when we... When, like if you're going to pray for your nation, confess your sins. Because you have sins. Personal. Deal with that stuff. And then get into your supplication of the prayer. Verse 18 says, Oh my God, incline your ear to hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation. And the city that is called by your name. For we do not present, or we do not, uh, present our pleas before you because of, uh, of our righteousness. But because of your great mercy. We're not righteous at all. We're, we're, we're asking because of your mercy. And sometimes that's what you need to ask. God, just, I need mercy. I need mercy right now. There's humility in that. Titus 3 verse 5 says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own, to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I love that according to his own mercy. And verse 19 is a beautiful verse. It says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not. For your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Again, you, you want to pray Scripture, pray Scripture. In Psalm 77, verse 11, it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. In James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your, you, you sinners, and purify your hearts, and you, uh, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. It's one of the beauties of this, this chapter is it's all about prayer. Until next, well, next week is prayer. We'll be in prayer next week. And actually, next week will be dinner here. We'll have dinner for you all here. So when you come in, you'll eat. We'll 
come in and eat at 6.30. And we'll start prayer uh, after we get done eating. I think we're either doing chicken or sandwiches. We're trying to figure that out. We'll, fi- we'll have it by answered by Sunday so you all know what to bring. But you know what the beauty of this is? When we get to verse 20, Gabriel shows up. The angel. God sends an angel. And we talked about it this past week, uh, uh, about ministering a- angels that are ministering to us. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't think that God won't show up, start praying. You don't think that God can, can turn somebody that you think is so evil to good? He can, but it, it, requires, it requires that, again, who are you praying to? It's, it's that, that beauty of, of Daniel's personal relationship with God. My God. My God. 87 years old, and he's like, my God. This man had prayed three times a day. And here he is fasting in sackcloth and ashes. And he's just pouring himself out. And I love the, the one thing that I get from this is that, man, it's just God's mercy Time and time again that's being mentioned throughout this chapter. It's His mercy. They're new every morning. He loves you. And all He's wanting you to do is just come to me. Again, that infant, that little child. Who are you dependent on? And so for us, that's, that's one of the things I pray for us. I can tell you, I, at the beginning of this, on Sunday, I was frazzled. I got home, Teresa hit me with that as soon as I walked in the door. We didn't pray. And I was like, could, could, could you just throw another rock on the backpack? Because I was at that point just falling, at, like, please. I, I, I don't even know how we got through Sunday. Right? And then I walked in the room, and I was like, Lord, she's right. She was absolutely right. That's what made it so rough, because she was absolutely right, and I missed it. Your pastor missed it. I'm human just like you are. I make mistakes. I need his mercy, too, in my life. I came out, because... Man, I, I really believe the Holy Spirit was like, Mike, as soon as you unlock the door, stop what you're doing and pray with whoever's here. So if it's just you and Teresa, if it's just Court, Donna, and us, that's who we pray. We'll stop right there and we'll pray before we start doing any work, anything. And, and you know, it, it's just a reminder to us. So all week, all week, you didn't know it. But I was praying for each one of you individually. Every person in this church. For your families. For the baby that's coming. For the businesses. For the marriages. Then I started praying. I was like, Lord, what else do we need to pray for? I need to pray for my nation. Started praying for that. 
And then I, for me, one of the things that's been on my heart that, that we've been blessed to be able to see is to see what the whosoevers are doing. I've been praying for that movement. They got an event coming up on May 14th in, in Texas, and I'm like, Lord, just move. We, we watched a bar, hands up in a bar, give their life to Christ. And, and I'm just like, Lord, do it again. Keep doing it. Give Daniel everything he needs in, in Houston to do it. Provide everything that Ryan and Sonny and Head need and Lucas and all those people and his wife. Because she's the one who misses him all the time because he's flying around all over the place. Then I'm praying for my sons. Lord, send them wives. My daughter, send her. I got one daughter. I got to get a husband. Like I need a godly husband. But I'm like, I'm going through this and I'm realizing I have neglected prayer. I got away from it. And I've been more blessed with that time this week because He's my God. Great and awesome. And that's who I pray to. And it's like we cannot neglect this. People say, oh, I want we want a building. What, are you praying for it? I think we need people in this building, right? Let's pray for people. Pray for the sign that we're still trying to get up. You know, there's stuff that we can pray for. But don't neglect it. And if, if, if you go, man, it's very easy now for me to go, okay, well, I can have worldly sorrow and just not pray and regret it and let Satan win. Or I'm going to have that godly, the godly sorrow and confess it and say, Lord, forgive me. Because I've sinned. I neglected my prayer with you. My time with you. Out of busyness. It's funny because God's been waking me up about an hour before Teresa gets up. And I just sit there and I start praying. So we're going to finish off with the prayer tonight. And we're going to read verse 19 and we're going to pray. Let's go ahead and close your eyes and let's, let's pray God's word. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. Forgive any, Lord, that are in sin right now. We thank you that your mercies are new every day. O oh Lord, pay attention and act in our lives, Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to move and, and direct our every step. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because this nation and your people are calling your name. We pray specifically for California, Lord, for that bill to go away. We pray for the, the mess that, that's trying to be pushed on our kids as well. That truth would come out. We, when we share truth, we have to share it with love. If not, we're just a noisy cling. A symbol that just keeps going over and over and nobody's listening. 
We pray for our Congress, our Senate. We pray for this administration. We pray, Lord, that, that man, I, I, I'm going to be bold enough just to say it. Lord, send an angel. Send angels to D.C. And start waking people up that you're real, that they're in sin, that they need salvation. And not, not the God that they've created in their mind, the false God, the one that they worship, but that you, our God, would show up and shake the foundation of the White House, shake the foundation of Congress, shake the foundation of the Senate floor, that we would turn from our sins as a nation and turn back to you. Forgive us, Lord. We have sinned. There is blood in the soil from abortions, addictions, suicides. There's been so many things that have just been neglected, Lord. Our kids, fathers that have not been in their houses. We've fallen away from your word. We've fallen away from our relationship with you in many cases. The church has gotten so focused on buildings and programs. Forgive us, Lord. We're just as much to blame. Let us be focused on teaching your word. Focused on sharing truth with love. And focused on what you want to do today and in the future. Let us stop looking backwards. Lord, this Calvary Chapel movement, one of the things I saw is they sold Calvary Chapel Marietta. And I, I praise God, there were a lot of great things that happened there. But Lord, what are we looking to today? We pray, Lord, for a Jesus movement today. We pray for a revival to happen, not just in Houston and Galveston and San Antonio and Dallas. We pray for the schools are opening back up in California. Get the gospel back out there. We're praying for the schools in Divine and Lytle and Natalia for, for events that are happening in October. Open the doors for those, Lord. We want to share the stories of hope. We want to share your word. We want to share Jesus Christ with them because that's what is needed. Let's not lose a generation the way that it happened after Joshua died. We thank you so much for all that you're doing in this little church, Lord. We thank you for uh, just for us being able to come and, and, and dive into your word tonight. Let us get serious about prayer. When we seek, our, seek your face, that we would do it and, and, and come not distracted, but come to talk with you and to hear from you. And I, and I pray that as we're in the word, it would, it would drive us to prayer the way it did with Daniel. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.